2: Welcome to Euro Graps Express, I'm your host Neil David and we are back once again to talk about all the exciting events on the British and European wrestling scene and I know I say that at the start of every single episode um, but I really am back this time, I've had to take I think it's about a month and a half off from the podcast, Uh, thank you to everyone who's messaged me um, asking where I am and if I'm okay, Uh, I was absolutely okay for the most part. I just to sort of put it out there, I had a bereavement in the family. I lost someone very close to me, Um, and there was the build up to that, and then the aftermath of that. Um, And in all honesty, that feeling of not really wanting to do a a podcast about wrestling, if I'm completely honest with you, for for a a couple of weeks after that. Um, Completely normal to feel like that, by the way. I'm not sort of, I don't feel annoyed with myself. I think, you know, sometimes. You need to take that little bit of space for yourself, and I did. And I'm I'm very lucky in my life. I've not someone who's ever been really affected by depression, or or um. You know, I've always had pretty positive mental health. I think um, it's all it's all sort of times you look back and realise, oh no, I wasn't myself really. Um, but I've always been someone who's recognised. I think when it's important to just take a little bit of a moment for yourself. And this podcast actually really helped me do that. Because what I realised um, as I was preparing to come back and do an episode, I watched Royal Quest three, as you'd expect, uh, you know, a good few weeks ago now. And I was watching Zack Sabre Jr. against um, Will Osprey, and kind of realising that I was going to come on this podcast and talk about it and have to fake it a little bit. Because I could see all the cogs working. I could see... This was a match that I love. It was exactly my type of wrestling with two of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Not just today, uh, my favourite wrestlers of all time. And I was going to have to come on here and sort of fake it a little bit and, and sort of pretend to get excited about it and pretend to be enthusiastic. And that's something that I, I think would be a really bad idea. <laughs> you know, I think you'd see it straight away. Um, in all the years I've been writing for Voices of Wrestling and the couple of years I've been doing this podcast... It's been the most important thing to me to be absolutely honest at all times, um, and yeah, sometimes I ham things up, you know. Sometimes I, you know, you've got to say things for you know, because you're just having a laugh, aren't you? I mean, my idea of having a laugh is standing with an old game headset on in my kitchen with my dog at my feet at the middle of the middle of the night on a Saturday talking about wrestling um, to faceless people. Um, but you know, we all get our kicks in different ways, don't we? But I think the most important thing is, is that I'm honest all the way through, and this little break has kind of reaffirmed that for me. That, you know, I'm 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 never gonna do, um, uh, buy me a coffee or a Patreon or anything like that. Partly because I'll get about five p, but also. <laughs> I'll save myself the embarrassment. But also, I don't want to feel beholden to do these things. I want to do these things when I'm feeling passionate and I'm feeling excited. And I, I at 90% of the time, I do feel that way. There's just a, a short period in my life where I wasn't. So I took a bit of a step back. But I did go back and watch Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay again. And I knew that's when... Right, okay, I'm in the right head headspace now because... What a match. What an amazing match. And I I had tickets to go to Royal Quest and I I couldn't go. Um, I think that was maybe part of it as well. It's not like, listen, I'm not getting it. It was important that I was where I was. And, you know, some things, no matter how much you love something and no matter how important things are to you, and wrestling is important to me. It really is. It's It's been a, a cornerstone of my life for as long as I can remember. It's been something that occupies a lot of my headspace in a positive way. Um, but there are some things that are more important, and you don't put those things up against each other. Wrestling just goes without even thinking about it. But I think, obviously, there was that thing of, oh, I, I should have been there, really, um, that maybe influenced it. But that's, like I say, that's by the by. It is what it is. Went back and watched it and was just completely enamoured with that match. I'm not going to go into too much detail, because I know, obviously, you've seen it now, and you know it's probably it's been talked about to death and things, but I think what's missing from a lot of wrestling now, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to go all, all full corner here, but I hope you understand what I'm saying, is that it doesn't, you know, like that idea of having two stars against each other, and it's a funny one, this one, because we've seen Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay wrestle. I mean, how many times have they wrestled? Is it about 10 times now, something like that? Um, it might even be more, might it? It's been going on a long, long time, this feud, a proper feud. But it still feels like... let's have Oh, no, cage match. Sorry, 26 times. <laughs> Flip it. Oh, no, that includes tag matches. That includes tag matches. Let me get it on to... Uh, I, I, again, I I actually had an idea, by the way, that I was going to come back and change the podcast and that I was going to, um, you know, have a new theme tune. Uh, I've got a, a, a theme tune that I was going to have that my cousin wrote for me um, and I was going to, um, you know, be more professional and things like that. But, uh, you know, no, I'm cage-matching I'm as I'm recording. Yeah, 14 matches. Yeah. Um, and it's it's crazy to think that you could put these two together and still get that feeling of, of star power. I don't. I mean, this one, this match in particular, is the highest rated according to the Wrestling Observer. This got five and a half stars. Um, I did give it that five. I didn't give it five stars. I, I don't think you're crazy if you did. I think it's perfectly valid to give it five stars. I think I'm four and a half, four and three quarters. But I mean, what does that matter? I th- I think it just it had that five star feel to it. I just thought the ending didn't quite tip tip it over the edge for me. I I don't know what it was, but whatever sort of mini criteria that you can't even explain. Um it just had that pace. That it's almost like a static pace in these these matches where you're watching it and you can't stop yourself watching it. You're invested, I suppose, is the simplest way of putting it, but it feels more than that, doesn't it? You know, I, I can be invested in in Come Dine With Me. I can be invested in Coronation Street, even though I'm pretending I'm not, and my wife's put it on and I'm not interested. But it's that engagement, that active engagement, where you're just completely into it the whole time. I mean, if you want my favorite Osprey Ospreay-Sabre Jr. match, I think it was the New Japan Cup. Uh well I thought that was great just the brutality of the submissions it was during clap crowd as well um and it, it, you know obviously both men quite gobby so having a clap crowd wasn't um that much of a hindrance for them really uh but yeah I mean what a match it was just absolutely phenomenal and it was just something about I think like I say, these two stars you've got Osprey who's on the run of a lifetime I saw something on X dot com the other day about um. How every year it feels like everyone's saying, wow, Will Ospreay's having the best wrestling year anyone has ever had. You know, in terms of that in-ring. And I I know I've just said that, and in some circles that's a controversial statement. And I think if you don't think that, if you don't think that Will Ospreay's one of the best wrestlers in the world, that's absolutely fine. But I think what we need to do is start understanding that you're not an idiot if you think that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not stupid to think that Will Ospreay might be the best wrestler in the world. It's not you're not stupid to think that Zack Sabre Jr. might be one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, I I think th- this match had this amazing story. It was like smart versus heart, wasn't it? That Will Osprey, this new character of Will Ospreay that I quite like. This almost transitional period that he's going through at the minute i mean literally in a sense it feels very transitional in terms of where he goes to wrestle and where he goes to work you know if you watched AEW at Wembley you'd be stupid to think that wasn't a play for him you know absolutely was a 100% a move for him i hope he doesn't go you know based on what AEW is these days but yeah whatever um but He's also talking a lot in promos, isn't he, about how he's he's a father now. He's, he's I think he's going out with Alex Winter, isn't he? who has got a son or a, a, a daughter. I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, they don't put that out there on, on Twitter other than what they've said in promos and things. It's not about business, is it? It's the emotion that matters that he's bringing into the story. And it's just so engaging to see him go through this kind of more emotional run that he's going through. And they told this all the way through. With control periods in this match, where he was just so confident, the way he was so cocky at parts that he had Zack Saber Jr. and slowed the pace down and that sort of thing. And what little things that these two guys do these active submissions I don't know how else to how else to describe it, but you never feel with either of these guys that they're just doing holds. Everything is wrestling from start to finish. And so many times you see these technical wrestlers who are being given limbs. It's almost like a like a performance. And sometimes that's great, you know, that liquidity that you get sometimes from workers that's really captivating. But I don't think that's what makes great wrestling necessarily. If you want to tip it over the edge like these guys do consistently. I mean, look at this from The Observer. They've got one five-and-a-half star. They've got three five-stars a four and three quarters, a four and a half, a four and three quarters and a four. You know, these are matches that are just that are in the pantheon. You know, the cage match ratings are 9.34, 9.21, 9.21, 9 9.17. You know, these are crazy, crazily well-considered matches by a huge array of people. And I think it's those little things that, that tip them over the edge. You know, it's just, it's, um... Do you know, the one thing I don't like, though, about this new Osprey, and I, I wrote this down in my book here, um, this Osprey, Osprey chant, oh my word, it's so forced. You know, talking about the opposite of what we're saying, about how these two people feel very real, feels very organic. You know, the story here of Zack Sabre Jr. essentially saying, you know, I led the scene, I led the British wrestling scene, not you. You know, you're the guy who everybody looks to in the name that's on everybody's lips, but I'm the one that took it forward. It's the natural beats of that story. It's so captivating to me. And it's... You know, you did a really good job here. And I I have to say, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion. It's nothing against the guy personally, obviously. He seems a top bloke. Um, Not generally a big fan of Chris Charlton's commentary. I know I'm on a little bit of an island with this. I don't like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton as a pair, really. Um, I don't like them individually. I, I, I recognise that they're good at what they do. I, I completely recognise that. Um, and I get that, like I say, I'm in the minority with it. But I think my issue with it is they get sometimes a little bit misty-eyed, they get a little bit aw oh, shucks and a bit... Um, almost kind of like a forced reverence as to what's happening, you know the way whenever there's a big match and somebody will be walking down the aisle and one of them will be like, "Because Carter has not lost a match," it's just the way they sort of start talking with like a weird reverence. I can't, put, I hope you know what I'm saying there because I can't really put my finger on it or explain it very well. Which is, you know, good job I'm doing a podcast about wrestling. Um, but I thought Chris Charlton was great. I thought Chris Chatham reined it in a little bit and just, you know, really, it really felt like he was, he was naturally calling it um, the way it should have been called, um, yeah, just absolutely brilliant job. And from Gideon Gray as well. Now you know I'm going to come on here and say that Gideon Gray's amazing and he's the Rick Mailer wrestling and you know he's he talked about his dress sense and things and kind of engaged with the character that he presents. But what Gideon Grey is, if we can be serious, is an incredibly, incredible, I should say, wrestling mind. And the, the subtle changes in his character here added to this match so much. And I think it showed an understanding of wrestling that I feel is lost sometimes. You know, the idea that you ha- kind of have to put everybody over to a certain extent. And it's weird to me that this isn't more common because one of the, I think one of the things in wrestling that you hear so much is how great Jesse Ventura was as a commentator. And I love Jesse Ventura. And I, I know Gorilla Monsoon gets slated and all that, but he's the voice of my childhood, really. So I, I love Gorilla Monsoon. Um, But what Jesse Ventura always gets credit for is the idea of him being... Absolutely honest at all times. He would always side with the heels. He would always lean with the heels. But in fact, not all times. 99% of the time, he was honest and he was realistic. He, he, he felt fair. That when there was a baby face who he didn't agree with, was winning or was on top or something was going on, he would say, look, you know... The guy's a great wrestler. The, you know, you gotta. The heel has to do this, and he should be doing that, and he should be doing the other. And he just put the whole thing over. And Gideon Gray seems to me to be the first color commentator, the first character commentator in a long time that's come on and understood that that he sided with Will Osprey because he, he's excuse me, he's in the same faction as Will Osprey. He's clearly putting over Will Ospreay, saying that he's better. But at no point does he ever, ever put down um, Zack Sabre Jr. He boosted him up. Because then when Will Ospreay won, it was more impactful. When Will Ospreay was having a control period, it was more impactful. When Zack Sabre Jr. was in control, it was more nerve-wracking. Depending on what side you're on, I suppose. This was one of those great matches as well where... I love this tweener kind of style of wrestling these days and it's something that used to really bug me when Cody Rhodes spoke about it. Um, You know, like when he'd talk about how I'm not a heel, I'm not a face. But what he'd do is he'd do heelish things if the crowd started to boo and he'd do facish things when the crowd cheered. And that's not what it is. This tweener thing is to just be who you are. And some audiences are going to love it and some are going to hate it, but you're a star either way. Not apathy, that's not what I'm talking about. Not inconsistency, but being a real character that you can breathe in. And I think these two just did it better than better than anyone. Um I'm just trying to see if I missed anything, but it's just you know, the the way they dodge the strikes and everything, do you know what I mean? It's like it's not something that you can come on a podcast and get excited about in a way, but you're just watching this perfect, perfect match. Almost perfect match. Perfect work. Um, and I love the Hidden Blade. I think the Hidden Blade at the minute is my favorite move in wrestling. The way it's been, it's got over, the way it's delivered, and it's it's such a good thing, and again, you don't get this very often in wrestling, that I know exactly how that move works. We've seen slow mo replays of it where he's essentially brushing it over the top of the head of the opponent. I know that from a, a wrestling point of view it's probably incredibly safe to be to deliver and to take, you know, especially if it's all like Osprey. He's not gonna he's not gonna mess it up, is he? Obviously if I did it, I'd accidentally clob you in the head. But I'm you know, I've got spina bifida, so it wouldn't hurt that much anyway. It'd be like a weak little flick. But it's, it seems safe for both ends. I know how it works, or I think I do anyway. And I still pop for it. It still feels dangerous. It still feels great Um, to watch. <laughs> you know? I'm, again, I'm assuming it feels all right to take. Don't want to take one. I'm not volunteering. Um, So yeah, that's kind of the match that got me back in. And I've, I've, I've looked at the clock and I've sat and I've talked for 20 minutes about an old match that you've all seen. So we should probably talk about some current events. We've got um, a couple of Brit rest stars or European wrestling stars. I should say going worldwide. We've got um, some signs to TNA. You've got two wrestlers who've won the gut, um, the gut check test. It's kind of like a tryout and they get to go and train and with TNA. And that was Harley Hudson and Mike DeVecchio. Um interesting that because you know they've not been signed or anything i don't think that no I can see anyway um essentially they're going to go over and train and they're going to potentially be um you know be um around people i suppose who can develop them and a pathway and a door's been open for them um Harley Hudson, I really like. Um, she doesn't get, she gets a lot of work, but she doesn't really work places that we tend to talk about. She's a northern wrestler, so I see her live quite a bit. Um, she's good. Um, she's uh, still feels like she's kind of at the beginning of things. You know, she's not somebody who I'm ready to make a big opinion about, but she's got a great look. She's got a great character. She's very personable. She's very she's got star quality to her and her work's really good as well. And every time we talked about her, you know, we've we've praised her. I think she's really good and I'm not the only person to do that. So, it, it's going to be somebody, I think, who we really need to keep an eye on. Um, and I think this is only going to be a, a positive thing for her. I mean, looking at a cage match, she works a lot in places, you know, like Lancashire Wrestling Federation, um, Sovereign Pro, um, gets the yard, you know, she's getting future shocks here. There might be a Bit of TNT, I think is generally the most prominent place that she works. Um, bit of WXW. Is she ever, I don't remember that. Oh, I was like on a Wheel of Wrestling thing at a 10-minute match. Uh, but again, every, every time she's been out, she's impressed. So I think she's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Mike DeVecchio, though. Here we go with this one. We talk a lot, don't we, on the show about it's people's time to sink or swim. Uh, Mike DiVecchio is kind of at the point now, big old Mike D., where we have to see, don't we? Um, we have to see. If you've not seen him or you've not heard us talk about him, he works in places like GWF. Um, he got a bit of work in WXW as well. Um, and he is what the flagship would call a dumb jock wrestler. He looks like a chav. <laughs> he looks absolutely terrifying. Um, he's... Whenever you see pictures of him outside the ring, he's wearing, like, I don't know if it's Stone Island or the brands of, like, 90s Nike, like, Nike Air Max shoes and tracksuits, and he's got a scowl on his face and, like, a gold chain. He's absolutely terrifying. He's brilliant. He's... He does things in the ring, like technically he's not great like you know he's not going to put on the kind of classic we're talking about between Osprey and Sabre, but he's a big jacked up bloke who will hit you, who will be hit, who will do big topes you know do big sort of top rope moves, everything's got an extra little bit of spice to it, everything's got an extra bit of punch, a bit of snap as Triple H would say, and all while looking absolutely terrifying it looks like, do you ever find yourself in a dodgy pub. Um, now, I don't, if I'm honest, <laughs> I don't find myself in dodgy pubs. The last time I found myself in a dodgy pub, I had to make a swift a swift exit before I was beaten up. Um, it's not a very interesting... Well, I don't know if it is an interesting story, but basically it was a, a friend's and old work colleague's um, 30th, I think, and it was this pub in Warrington. Um, and there's some nice parts of Warrington and there's some not so nice parts of Warrington and I drove down uh, thought I'll have a couple of cokes and, and, and bounce um, and at the time I was I was smoking, I've given it up now but it was, it was a good 5 years ago, 6 years ago um, and I went outside for, for a, a, a quick naughty smoke and then these people like Mike DeVecchio's were there and I thought it was weird because one of them was wearing a red jumper with a big white M on it. I, don't, I assume it's like a fashion brand or something, one that I don't know. Um, you know, it was kind of, I realized when he got up close to me that it was a design. It was a designer jacket. He was wearing a cap, but it was dark. It was, you know, the middle of winter. Um, And he came up to me and he asked me for my lighter and I, I, I gave it to him. Um, And I don't know why I said it because I knew he wasn't. This is what's bugged me. I knew he wasn't. But I said to him, Oh, I thought you were in fancy dress as Mario then. Because he had the M on his, and a red jumper with M on it. And I, can't, and I don't, and his face just dropped. And I'm thinking to myself, Neil, why have you just said that? Because it, was, it wasn't even like, I just said it, it was a complete internal thought for a split second that I'd recognised was wrong. I was in a dodgy pub in Warrington, in the dark, faced with three blokes who were not only twice my size, but had ten times my aptitude to fight and willingness to fight, just, you know, if you're judging a book by its cover. And he got really annoyed this guy, he was like going, "What, what you want about?" But like you know, in, in Warrington over uh, the speaking Warrington, like what are you want about that, uh, uh, you, you know. However, but they they going like really, really going for me. This guy and his mates were laughing their heads off, and it was really annoying because the more his mates laughed, the more angry he got. Because I basically made a fool of this guy. I, I, I don't know. I don't make a habit of doing that to anybody. And I don't like the people who try and, you know, make a joke about someone's appearance or dress sense or whatever. I don't do that. And I wasn't joking. I was being genuine. Uh, uh, But anyway, that's what Mike DeVecchio reminds me of. Whenever I see him, I think of that story because one of the blokes looked like Mike DeVecchio. Um, So in the end, I just sort of went inside um, and I could see them laughing. And I told the work colleague, oh, uh, yeah, just nipping to Lou," And then got in the car and left. Um, And I'm not actually... (laughs) Because it was an old work colleague. Uh, you know, I was kind of like, I left the year before. And a few people who worked there were going. So I went. And I've not spoke to any of them since. So I don't know if something happened. And I don't want to know either. Um, I, I don't know why I've gone on to that. Um, you know, one thing I didn't like about this gut check. And this might sound a little bit strange. Is it was... I, I, just, I Well, I just don't like the concept of it really. This idea of... You know, or you could come here, and try your best. Are you good enough? And you have got to give it your all and do the best audition, try out thing you can. Auditions, I think, should be behind closed doors. I really do. I don't like performance centre stuff. I don't like um developmental stuff the way it's done. I think you should all of that should be done out of sight. Um and you could see the difference here between these two. And again, this isn't necessarily a criticism because there's lots of time for this to change. But Mike DeVecchio looked into the camera and he was like, you know, he was saying things like, you know, this is, you know, I I deserve to be here. You know, this is what I've been waiting for. He had this fire in his face. You know, he's like, you, you wait until you see what, you know, I'm. How much I'm botching this, but you know what I mean. Like he was, he was, he was, he was in character basically, and then it cut to Harley Hudson talking about it, and she's just like, "Oh, this is everything I've dreamt of," and it was a bit non-kayfabe, and I'm just a little bit wary of that kind of NXT style of, you know, shocked face kind of presentation of wrestling, uh, which might not, you know, it might just be a little throwaway moment that I'm reading too much into, but there you go. But the big news from TNA is they have apparently signed, this isn't a gut check thing, they've signed Leon Slater. Now, I can't find any details about the deal, Um, it's just that he's been signed. Um, I think that's a fantastic get for them, and I think it's a fantastic get um, for Leon Slater. I think it's great that he's signed with TNA. I think that's perfect for him. I think what we need to start doing with people like TNA, people like TNA, people like Leon Slater, is pacing them a little bit. That's how it's got to be. They've got to be paced. You know, he's been able to build himself up gradually in RevPro. He's demonstrated to everyone that he has star potential. You know, he's got a great look he looks cool, he carries himself with just that modern kind of attitude that, you know, somebody like me would never think to do. You know, I, everyone's going to look at him and think, that is a very, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sat here making the point, and I'm saying he's a very hip individual, do you know what I mean? Like, that's how out of it I am. But he, would, he wouldn't use that word, would he? He'd say, you know, he's, he's, um, I, I don't even know, he's he's mustard, as they would have said in the Victorian times. Um, He's just, you know, an incredibly captivating worker. He's had great matches already, but the worst thing that could happen to him now is for him to be plucked up by the big grasp of a, I mean WWE. Anyway, they can get in the bin, but even AEW now, you know, but you know, big companies come and grasp him and throw him somewhere. He needs to work his way up a little bit, and for him to be part of TNA at the minute which feels very exciting. Um, it feels like the. the there's a lot of changes going on there. I know we've said all this before, but it does feel different this time, doesn't it? Um, you know, it's just very, very exciting for him to be part of it. And you know he's gonna learn and improve there. And I, I I I think the sky's the limit for Leon Slater, I really do. So it's great to see him there. But anyway, I think we should talk about some wrestling. Now, as I said, I was looking at the format of this and thinking if I'm going to change it, if I'm going to start you know, talking about things in a different way. Um, and then I watched a load of wrestling over the last week or two. And I've watched a purpose wrestling show and a rev pro show that I want to talk about. Um, they're the two that, I, so that captivated me the most and I've got the most to say um, regarding. So let's sack off any change. Let's not change at all. You know, listenership numbers could stagnate, could fall, could rise. I'm never changing. It's You know, I think that's important sometimes. I think things things are too, too quick to think, oh, I need to evolve, I need to get better. No, you don't need to get better. You need to stay the same. You need to do the same things you've always been doing. And I've always been a big advocate of that, by the way. I get a lot of people who laugh at me when I say that I still play things like Warhammer. Uh, I still watch Batman the Animated Series. And people go, Oh, haven't you grown up? Or, you know, worse to that effect. And I just think, Well, those things haven't changed. You know, um, a gloom spike git is as cool as a goblin was 20 years ago. It's the same thing. It's not the goblin that changes, it's you. You lose that little part of yourself. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm going to get on with talking about a better wrestling. We're going to talk about Live in London. Was it 79, I believe? And then we'll talk about not the the purpose show that's just happened because that's not up on VOD yet. We're going to talk about the one before because I missed that out and we can get ourselves ready for that next one. And then if we get time, we'll preview the next big Red Pro show um, in York Hall because they've announced the card for that. Anyway, let's go down south to that London and talk about, well, Live in London. It's such a weird thing to take a bit of a step back for a while, then go back in and look because you look at just this live at London card um, from the 229, and it just. I mean, look at. You've got Mike Loku against Luke Jacobs, Sunshine Machine against CPF, you've got Shigahiro Irie against Ricky Knight Jr., you've got Robbie e- Never mind. Um, you. <laughs> not about Robbie X, by the way, is opponent Spike Trevay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um. You know, you've got all these matches that you genuinely think this, this is great. You know, like I really want to watch these. Um, And I think sometimes when you're a bit too close to a promotion, like I do get to Red Pro, I kind of think, well, I don't know if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm, I need to take that step back and just recognize that it's, um, that how great it is, I suppose. So let's have a look at these matches then. The first one, well in fact, let's not talk about the matches. First thing we have to start with, and I, I'm i I'm sorry that I've not talked about Red Pro for a good six weeks, and I'm going to start with something that I don't like. And I want to remind everyone, I do like this promotion. This is the promotion that got me into wrestling criticism. This is the promotion that in a lot of ways changed the way I think and appreciate wrestling. What is it with these weigh-ins? This started because Sha Samuels is going to be in the main event with Conor Mills for the um, Cruiserweight title. And they're making this big deal about doing a weigh-in with Sha Samuels to end any doubt about him being a Cruiserweight. And I think that Andy has got a bit of criticism for this. And I know I've been quite heavy on it, but I've heard it from other people as well, about this obsession with weight. And he's sort of saying that he's going to end any doubt that he's a cruiserweight. I believe you that Sha Samuels has slimmed down to be a cruiserweight. Just about. I'll I'll accept it, okay? For the purpose of the match. Maybe it's just a comparison thing. He looks really slim, Sha Samuels, at the minute. He's in great shape. I believe that he's under 225. There is no doubt there, Andy, because it's wrestling. You t- you know, look at the you know what they did with Shingo. Shingo went in as a junior heavyweight, then just one day they went, "Oh, he's a heavyweight now." He's a heavyweight. No one really cares. The criticism of Red Pro and weight doesn't necessarily come from the wrestling; it comes from the going on about it and obsessing about it. It's like, have you ever tried stand-up comedy or tried to make people laugh in some way with a live audience in front of you? Like some sort of improv. The worst thing you can do in those situations when a joke doesn't land is tell it harder and keep telling it. And that's what they're doing with the weight thing. It's got weird. They want it to be a thing for some reason. It's not landed and they keep doing it. And I swear down, I swear down, the scales they were using look like they'd been bought from Argos 20 minutes before the weighing. They were, they were bathroom scales, sir. Mr. Quilden, they're your bathroom scales. If you want me, To take this seriously, the idea that you take weight classes seriously, and that weight matters, don't bring on a pair of bathroom scales. Because when I get on them scales, it tells me I'm about 16 stone, so we all know they're lying. We all know they're not accurate. Reminds me of a Royal Family, that joke. Have you seen it when uh, it Cheryl has sent a, a, a scales back because they weren't accurate? Um, anyway, just, you know, just don't do the... Dis- I, I thought what they were going to do is... Because they said if he did make weight, they were going to give him time to make weight. And I've got a vague memory. You know, maybe Lee Malone. alone if you're listening. You'll probably know this better than I will. But wasn't there an angle where Disco Inferno did that on him? on um, On Nitro? Where he didn't quite make weight for a cruiserweight shot, and he had to go on a treadmill. And Bobby Heenan was talking about whether he'd be able to do the match because he might be exhausted. Can't remember. I've got a vague memory of that. But either way, I don't want 1997 Disco Inferno angles in my wrestling these days. Anyway, the first proper match we had something really exciting. Uh, This is part of the tag league that they're doing at the minute. Um, we had Kieran Lacey and Mark True against Lycos Gym. Um I re- I'm i really glad in Red Pro they're just saying Lacey and True. They're not. I mean, what they called in purpose, teams with attitude. I think you can kind of get away with that in purpose a little bit more than you can, but it's a rubbish name. But the gr- absolute brilliant team, and I've been a big advocate for, for these two, especially Mark True. I think he's one to really have a look at and get in on the ground floor of. He's very rough and ready. At the minute. He's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. But he, he gets the little things. His character's really interesting. He looks great. Um, he's put a lot of weight on as well, it seems, in recent months. you know, he's In terms of muscle, he looks a lot better than he did. Because um, I mean he's getting older, isn't he? I mean, he's still probably like 19 or something stupid like that. Um, I love the fact they don't have an entrance, if you get me. I don't know if that makes sense. But the way they... They come out and they don't feel like they're doing poses. They don't feel like they're, um you know, going through motions when they come out. They just come out and they're cool and they're intimidating and they're natural. They're just so cool. Like with the beanie hat on and the, the necklace, you know, just that. I find it really difficult. Like, I'm really glad that sort of nerdy kind of geeky stuff has become cool now because, you know... It's just I, I I can sort of find my own little niche, you know, <laughs> and it's my own little corner. Because when I look at people who are actually cool, like Mark True and um, like Leon Slater, we were talking about before, I realise that you know I'm not even close. Um, I like this new Lycos as well. Lycos, you mechanic. Kind of just they bit. They're good wrestlers again. You know, there's none of this baking tray stuff. There's none of the 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 uh, the. Um, they were doing the, the Jimmy's spot from Dragon Gate, you know, with the um with the with the sort of the rubber rope, I don't even know what you call it, it's like a big rubber thing. Um they're not doing that sort of stuff anymore and it, it's it's really good. Um just just a, a, a great match. You know, I I think that you know there's a little thing in this, like Mark True needs to learn to milk things a little bit more. I think Kieran Lacey's probably a better worker out the pair of them, but I think Mark True's got a higher ceiling. Uh, But when this got going, the speed of it, as you'd expect, was just absolutely captivating. You know, there'd be all sorts of speedy reversals and then they punctuate with pile drivers and that kind of thing. And just that sort of whiplash kind of wrestling where you'll be running, 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 then suddenly stop and you really feel that impact um, all the more. Um, You know, again, a few things were true. Timing was a bit off in places for spots that they clearly thought about before. But He's ready for the Red Pro bit now. You know, he's ready to be wrestling at the 229. He's had great matches in purpose. Um, and I think he's ready. I don't know where else he works, to be honest with you. Um, he's not even got a cage match. Um, let's see if he's got an X.com. What kind of place I know he's he's a southerner. Um I think his hair as well helps a lot. He had a very sort of meet me and McDonald's haircut for a while, but now he's got a bit more of a chavy haircut and he looks really good. Um... Yeah, he doesn't really seem to put much where else he works. It tends to be, he's really focused on rep-prone purpose at the minute, which is I think he's appropriate. You know, if you can afford to do that, you, not everyone has to be the, you know, the traveling journeyman. You can be, you know, the getting your reps in, you know, and, and, and work in proper places. One thing I wish they'd do, I'm hesitant to say this, I don't know if this comes under the Red Pro production values because I've got to put a tenner in the jar every time I talk about that. They're still crap, by the way. You know, as bad as they ever were. Same, same as same as it's always been. Can't hear the commentary. You know, all that business. You know exactly what to expect. But what I wish they'd do is graphics. You know, they're doing this tag league and they didn't talk about points. They didn't talk about how the league was looking. It just sort of happened, it was a match and I think if you've got this Great British Tag League don't just throw in a final at the end give me some graphics, put something up on the screen that's going to help me understand it But again I'm hesitant to say that because that's probably a step too far next up we've got Robbie X against Spike Treve. Um Spike Treve's story in Red Pro is that he wants to be remembered I mean, he's the progress champion, isn't he? Keep that in progress. Keep that sort of story in progress. I I don't understand. I I, I just don't really get what's going on. Why 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 are we booking Spike Trevay? I listened over the weekend to Graps and Claps and they made the point, I can't remember, I think it was Jeff made the point about Spike Trevey. is that he is a perfectly fine mid-card wrestler but seems to get pushed into these big stories and I don't get it. I mean luckily it doesn't seem like Spike Trevey is going for um, Oku's title anymore. Right? It seems to, you know, they switched to Zach Gibson who we'll talk about later on but it just seems really weird to me that he, someone who is objectively rubbish from a character point of view who isn't, you know I, I, just, I just don't get it. Like someone explain Spike Treve to me. Please. Just do not understand. The good thing about this is David Francisco got some love. There was a bit at the start where um, he had a bit of a to-do with Treve and you know, Robbie X was great and Robbie X was, was over. Um, But Trevay didn't really get much of a reception, to be honest with you. He did get booed a little bit as the match went on, but it was very much that wrestling crowd booing, if that makes sense, you know, where they recognize that they should be booing and kind of play along with the character of it. So I don't, I mean, look, maybe I'm, I'm taking away credit where it's due and you can, you know, you can criticize me for that if you want but I, I, just don't. I just don't. I'm not engaged in this Spike Trevay thing. And then he gets the chair out at the end, and it ends on a DQ. Just a complete waste of time. Complete waste of Robbie X. I, I am willing to give wrestlers second chances. I really am. I don't. I, I hated Spike Trevay's work. You know, talking of graps and claps. Do you know what it is? Is it feels like at the minute that every wrestler, uh, every wrestling fan in Britain has a moment with progress where they just go, I- I've had enough now. And to listen to Chris, Great Bashil on Twitter, have his moment with the uh, Crowley, obviously I've not seen it, but apparently it was a Crowley and Aidan English, I can't remember his name now, Matt something, isn't it? Um, and they had the most dramatic match of all time and there was, there was a clip going around of them basically competing to see who was the most dramatic like rolling around on the floor and banging their heads on the turnbuckle and things like that and it feels like everybody has that moment with progress where you they just go right I'm done this is too stupid for me now and even though this is one match on a card I can't support this anymore and it's kind of like I had that moment with Spike you remember it was probably 18 months ago now wasn't it where it was the match with the trampoline and you almost watch progress sometimes, in disbelief at what they're doing, don't you? And it's nice to be separated from it, because you can kind of just laugh at it, but you just watch it and just go, who thought this was good? Like, have you... In wrestling we have that phrase a lot, don't we, from WCW about lunatics running the asylum? And I do sometimes wonder if the lunatics are running the asylum a little bit. Um... It progress. Like, is anyone saying to these wrestlers, no, you can't do that? It stinks. Who knows? Anyway, I've not I'm not seen it so I shouldn't comment. Next up, we had a tag match. It was Kanchi and Danny Luna against Mercedes Blaze and Alex Windsor. Um, Luna got a great reaction here. I think she's been a massive success story for Red Pro. Um, she's very, very much over and she deserves to be. I think she's had a great year for Red Pro. She's been really good. Um, I did forget, to be honest, that Windsor was playing healer when she came out and was being a bit healish. I think she's got a bit better at it. I think she's a little bit more subdued, um, you know, a little bit more natural and it's working, but I still don't get it. I really don't. Um, Good to see Kanji back as well. I don't feel like I've seen Kanji for a while. Um, I feel like Kanji was a wrestler who was really affected by the pandemic. She seemed to be getting really hot and then just kind of disappeared. But really enjoy her work. I think she's really good and she was great here as well. Um, I suppose I think the problem really is that Mercedes-Blaze is a little bit of a step behind. Um, She's good. She's fine. She's someone who should be booking. But kind of everyone was kind of brought down to her level in terms of work, I think. Um and she's like I say I like Mercedes Blaze I think she's a good character wrestler I don't think she's good from a technical point of view on the level that the other three are um and it, it that kind of um you know it, it just didn't it, it just took away from the match a little bit um little bit of shenanigans at the end you know like people accidentally being hit and stuff like that and causing friction and, and that sort of thing but we'll talk about how to do that later when we talk about purpose because they do it better than anyone. Um, Next up, we had Irie versus RKJ. We've litigated RKJ a little bit. I mean, this was a perfectly good match. I I don't think anybody's going to go and call this match of the year or anything like that. Um, But it was good. You know, it was three and a half stars, slightly better than average. I really don't think RKJ is long for Red Pro. I don't know. It feels like he's not really committed to them. Perhaps after his push kind of fell flat with the injury... Um, they never really got him going again, and it's it's hard. it's that phrase again. Talk about wrestling phrases we all use. Uh, putting the toothpaste back in the tube, and it, it was I think kind of difficult that they've. I don't know. They've they've kind of they got him going. He didn't quite get the payoff, and then they've had to sort of ease things back. And then there was the championship run that was a bit lame, uh, and now he just seems to be having special singles matches like this one against Irie. Um but, I mean, the match was fine. You know, obviously he does mental dives and, you know, it, it, it's it, it, there's lots of work in here, like a great forearm exchange and, you know, both really good workers. They just don't really have any status at the minute in Red Pro. They don't really have anything to sink the teeth into. So it's just kind of felt like a bit of an empty match. Um, but, do you know, I think about um, RKJ as well. Like he's doing muscle busters now. And he was doing Rikishi drivers, and he's done cutters, I think, and, and it just feels like he's always doing other people's moves. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's incredibly good at them. He's great at them, in fact. You know, he's brilliant at doing the moves. But there's just always a little bit of a disconnect there that I don't, that, that eases him off. Next, we had Trent Seven against Leon Slater. Um... Huge bumps, big dives. Crowd was so behind Leon, um, so behind him. We, we talked about Leon a lot, so we won't go into too much detail here. Um, I, again, I kind of think Trent Seven just needs to go and work somewhere else. He's he's wrestling like he's in progress, and he's being allowed to. You know, there's a thing now where after Fantastica Mania, he's pretending that he's a luchador and he gets a luchador mask out and the commentators go along with it like, oh, who's that? And we've just seen him put the mask on. And it's just, it's a little bit stupid for me. Um, It's building to something that we'll talk about later on, but it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of have an opinion about it because you just watch it and just think, well, what was the point in that? You know, it feels like you've wasted my time a little bit. I just don't really understand it. Then we had another Tag League match. Sunshine Machine against Maverick Mayhew and Danny Black. Super speedy. Super fun. Incredibly spotty, but in the best way. You know, I think CPF, which is Mayhew and Black, they do stuff. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going out there and telling stories with this stuff. They're not like the Velocities, where they'll go away and take you on a bit of a journey. They'll just go out and do stuff. But that stuff is incredibly cool. And, you know, Sunshine Machine are the best at combat doubles in the country. So, it's just a lot of stupid, but fun stupid. Um, <laughs> there was a moment in this with a razor's edge into a double cutter. <laughs> it's just... That that spot kind of sums the match up, I think. You know, it's just a little bit stupid, a little bit silly. Uh, but perfectly fun. Perfectly fine for the live crowd. Okay. Main event time. Luke Jacobs against Michael Oku. Um now I'm not one to moan about getting good matches because this batch is like that's got some juice to it, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like you see that match and you think Yes I just don't know why now. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is he having a title shot now, Luke Jacobs? To me, Luke Jacobs should have a bubble around him now. It should be like, right, this guy's our next champion. What are we going to do with him? Because the Oku match should be a huge match. And it just feels here on this card... It's weird that, you know, you're watching the match and it's great. You know, Luke's really growing into the heavyweight. You know, he's knowing when not to sell and when to sell. He's The little things have just completely clicked with him now. And he's just a wrestling star these days. He's not somebody who I see through the lens of a young wrestler with potential anymore. I just see him as a great wrestler. And I've got to stop talking about that now and how he's improved because I don't think it matters anymore. He's He's way over that point now. Um... He had great trash talk. um, And nobody in the world does the beat down and the fight back better than Michael Oku. And I thought this match was really, really good. Um, And it's sort of classic Oku in a way because it's a relatively long match. Um, It was, according to Cage match, 30 minutes. So it was a proper heavyweight title match. But it was that Oku almost winning by attrition. You know the idea, like he's like Muhammad Ali, isn't he? That you, you, you not, you've got to knock him out, um, but you can't, no matter what you do to him, he's not going to come for you and fight you and beat. you. He's going to wait until you've absolutely exhausted everything that you've got. Um Small package at the end, um, which probably isn't the best way to end it, um, you know. I thought it just sort of ended, but really this was for Zach Gibson to come out and do the challenge. And that's what makes it weird about it being Luke Jacobs. I don't I don't know why. You know, you, you think about storytelling and how you tell stories and how, you know, think about it from something of separate to wrestling. And there's certain rules in filmmaking and in writing novels, stories, whatever you want to do. ...that don't always apply to wrestling... ...because wrestling is very much a unique medium... ...but I think there's a couple of rules... ...that more wrestling bookers and promoters should think about... ...and one of the key rules in writing is... ...you question... ...why everything is there... ...so you need OQ to have a match... ...you need him to have a big challenging match... ...where Gibson is going to come out and challenge... ...but you need... you know, ...you've got a main event to deliver... ...who can he go against... ...and is that the best choice... And I don't know why Luke Jacobs was the one for this. I'm excited to see Zach Gibson back. I am. I think, you know, he's putting some promos out on Twitter and he's one of the best promos in the world, Zach Gibson. You know, he's back to doing the Liverpool number one thing, which is great. And just seeing him do that in Manchester, back on those progress shows. Like, we've not progressed before and it's easy to knock them, but we've got to recognise, haven't we, how important they were for a lot of us for a long time. Um and that Liverpool's number one promo that he did in Manchester, the crowd just booing him, like, you know horse booing, you know, just absolutely killing the throats to make the feelings heard um, and he comes out and he, he he makes the challenge and it's exciting, you know to see, the you know, the idea of seeing Zach Gibson against Michael Oku Zach Gibson's a great wrestler, it has to be said though, and we have to say this for all of them, we always do you went to NXT UK Got to talk about it, haven't we? You went to WWE, and we've got to have that moment. And I feel quite strongly about that. And some, you know, you might think it's it's beating a drum. You might think that it's that it's, you know, maybe just just get over it, Neil. You know, and I, and I get that. And I, I, maybe I, maybe I should just get over it. But it bothers me when you see people like Luke Jacobs and Michael Oku, who have taken the scene forward from NXT UK, who have stayed and have really made Red Pro what it is. I don't mean the scene. I mean Red Pro. Look at what Red Pro have achieved since the pandemic, since those shows they were doing up until now and how far that ball has rolled way further than anyone ever expected. And it feels like, Red Pro has a voice now, its own voice, its own unique voice. And then when you get someone like Trent Seven and Eddie Dennis and Zach Gibson come back in, especially because Zach Gibson has come back in as the Liverpool's number one stuff, it feels like something from the past that we've moved on from. And I'm not against booking Zach Gibson. I've told you I'm excited for the match. I'd book Zach Gibson. I'd book him exactly where he is, at the top of the card, because you know he's going to deliver. But there's just something, I don't know, on a sensory, intangible level of hearing the cadence of that promo now and feeling like we've moved past it, but we're getting it again. Maybe I'm going too far, and if you think I am, that's perfectly valid. Um, but I just, it's got to be pointed out, and it, it almost feels like I'm being, I, I don't know, like it's it's just a bit of a waste of time to point it out, because, you know, I'm saying book him, you know, put him in this match. But there's always going to be that stink of NXT on these people, there always is. And I, I, Again, you can think it's pathetic, you can take it a step too far, but you know, it's just... It's um, it's there, isn't it? It's present. It's always present. Anyway, on to the main event. We had Shah Samuels uh, against uh, Connor Mills, as we expected. Straight to Brawling, which no one could see, which kind of <laughs> killed the crowd reaction. But there was, you know, lots of action. Uh, a bit of a struggle, really, I think, with this, to be fair, because the last one was a clear main event. I wonder if... This, I mean, why wasn't this the semi-main? You know, the the match previously, the Oku Jakers match felt like a main event. It had the challenge at the end that felt like the way they would end a show. So to kind of get people going again was a, a little bit weird. But um, I mean, there was a ref bump and stuff in this. This was just very much a match, and it was it was it was very much there. You know, I, I don't think there's anything um, really to write home about with this one. It was just it it would have been better served. Being placed before it, I think, you know, in a nutshell. Um, but that's Red Pro. Um, I think what we should do is very, very briefly talk about um, their upcoming show at um, Crystal Palace National Sports Centre. I mean, this is another big show for Red Pro that they're building towards on the 16th of December. You know, this really feels like you know, you know, they've done the copper box and it, it, that was great. They're not taking that as a one-off, you know, they're they they they're doing these bigger venues. Now they're moving away from the York hall. I mean, I'd, obviously I'm sure it's not in the 15,000 capacity, um, section of it. Cause I know these different parts of crystal palace. I'm sure we've been, I've been through this before. Like I'm sure I have about like venues and things like that, but it's, um, oh no, Here we go. The sports arena, um, oh no, it's not gonna be 25,000, is it? That's proposed. But yeah, anyway, the the building would it like it's gonna be a really big show. You know, we'll find I'll, I'll do my homework and find out for you next time. But we've got some pretty tasty looking stuff with this one. You know, you've got the big one for me is Ishii against Luke Jacobs 2. You know, that's gonna be phenomenal. That first match was one of the best matches I've ever probably actually the best match I've ever seen live, I would say. Um, I've been lucky I've seen some cracking matches live, but that one was really something else. Then you've got Will Ospreay against Gabe Kidd. Again, both wrestlers have been through a a big evolution since they last faced each other. Um, Really exciting. Followed Jr. against Trent Seven, who cares? You've got Connor Mills against Leon Slater. And I wonder where they're going to go with that one, because... Obviously, with Leon Slater going over to Impact, it would, I assume he's not exactly... Unless they're going to push him to the moon, who knows? It might be good to get that belt over there and get some eyes on it, like they do with the New Japan... Uh, like they do with the heavyweight title in New Japan. Probably better off if he remains... At home. <laughs> if he, You know, if he stays... You know, the belt stays with Connor Mills, to be honest with you. I think Conor Mills has still got a lot of stories he could tell. I think Connor Mills is going to have the run of his life with this belt. We're still maybe kind of waiting for it to get going. Um, but they've obviously pushed Leon Slate to the moon, haven't they, with him winning the J Cup and things, and, and is, as is appropriate. Then you've got Michael Oker against Sack Gibson. Wonder if Gibson's going to win that, you know? Like, what are the odds do you think of Gibson winning that match? don't know. I don't know, you know. Anyway, whatever. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, that's on the 16th of December. Um, down in that London. I won't get to that one, unfortunately. 16th of December Maybe if it's a Saturday. Let's have a look. It is a Saturday. Maybe. It's that easy against Jacobs. I mean, the rest of the card looks good apart from the Trent Seven match. But it's that easy against Jacobs. Because that was special, wasn't it? Anyway, Red Pro, still plodding along, really good stuff. Okay show, worth watching, but we're building towards something a little bit more exciting, I think. Um, So, for the last little section, let's go to the library. i talk about purpose a lot, and I don't really make any apologies for that, because I think... Sometimes what Purpose do is articulate how I want wrestling presented in ways that I can't always do it. Sometimes I'll watch a Purpose show and I'll go yeah, that's what I'm on about. That's what I mean. So for example you've got Sky Smitson to open with against Amira and Sky Smitson here is the same Sky Smitson you see pretty much everywhere. She's this bruiser. She's tough. She's going to kick your ass and all that business but the difference is it just feels a little bit more real in purpose You know, she reacts to the crowd in a much more organic way she's clearly a very tough individual she's clearly very intimidating naturally but she's allowed to be that natural kind of intimidating, she's not doing the stuff that she does in the Legion, in Red Pro where it's all like corny grimaces and growling and that kind of thing I think it just works a lot better um, Blair was doing this thing where you know she's coming out and she's saying that she's um you know her she can't wrestle um obviously not really my sort of thing but actually when the wrestling started it was really good there was some brutal offense from Amira the way she absolutely battered Smithson and got battered by Smithson in return was was great and I re I found myself you know thinking. Why, doesn't, why can't we have this Sky Smithson in Red Pro? And I think it's always the same with the women's division in Red Pro. You find yourself watching it thinking, this could be better. Do you know what I mean? Look at the talent that you've got. It could be better. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, it was funny at the end of this one because it, um, Amira Blair put her feet up on the ropes and won, and she, she almost seemed shocked that she'd won, which I thought was really interesting. You know, like, a, like you like know, almost like, not shocked that she won, sorry, because you see that all the time, that's not interesting, that's bad. But almost like she regretted it for a second. She came round a few seconds later, but there was that moment of like, oh God, I've cheated and I've beaten her. And that's another thing that I really love about um, Purpose is that they always recognise when things like they don't like if something's happened, they, they talk about it and they recognize it. Like afterwards you had, um, I think it was, was it Sapphire Reed with her um, at the end, or was it Maya Matthews? Account? I think it was Maya Matthews. Um, and she's saying like, but everybody saw you cheat. You know, like there's going to be consequences of this. Everybody saw it. And I, I, that sounds like such a stupid little thing. It sounds like such a little bit of nonsense, but it really makes a huge, huge difference. Um, next up, we had um, Gideon Gray against Jordan Breaks. Now, this was really interesting because, you, again, talking about a fortnight where we're seeing different sides to Gideon Gray. Gideon Gray in this one was very that the promo he delivered was great, and he's a great promo anyway. And I, I know you don't need me to tell you that, but the promo wasn't the Lord Gideon Gray promo that we see. It's this idea of, you know, Jordan Brakes is going around saying he's a great technical wrestler. I pride myself on being one of the best technical wrestlers in the country. I want to find out. Let's see how good you are, sort of thing. And it was such... The way he delivered it was 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 just brilliant. You know, it, just absolutely fantastic and just a really great way for Jordan Breaks a transition out of being champion, because that's a hard thing to do that, I think. You know, the idea of someone losing a belt, but you can't really send them away, because Jordan Breaks is critical to this promotion, and it's the sort of promotion that would book him every show, and it, it's, you know, small roster kind of thing, and it, it's, what do you do with him? And I thought this was really a great idea. You know, I like the way as well that, you know, we talk about, certain stories can only be told in the wrestling ring and and this is one of them because they used sort of the traditional style and there was a limit on the rope breaks and they made those rope breaks absolutely fundamental to the story. So at the start, they forced the other person into it, sort of tricked them into a, a a rope break more than forced it to use them up and the end, it was a normal submission at the end in the ropes and Gideon Grey had to tap out because he couldn't use the ropes and it establishes these you know, this rope break is, is, is kind of like a re-examining of what it is. Like we always know, oh yeah, you get to the ropes and it breaks the hold and it's that tension. But it sort of re-established the idea that these everyday holds, that if you um, leave them in long enough, then someone's going to tap. You know, that's, that's the, the story that they established. In fact, actually, that reminds me, I forgot something about that exact Sabre Jr. Will Osprey match that we talked about at the top. Something Chris Charlton said, and this is one of the lines I really liked, about how he was taught that you need to change things around if they aren't working, you know, that kind of thing. Um, really, really good. Um, you know, if, if if you don't get a tap out within six seconds, I think the quote was. I was just looking for it in the book then. Um... I like as well with this one that the finish was almost a mistake from Gideon. Like he, he he got caught up in the ropes and that was it. You know, it was really established that this match could could end at any time. I thought it was, it was really, really good. Then we had Sapphire Reed and Maya Matthews against Sunshine Machine. Um, this was a really good match, you know, fast paced, lots of action, that kind of thing. I think Sapphire Reed is our next one to watch. We know that she won the Rumble with Red Pro. I've been incredibly impressed with Sapphire Reed. I mean, she's incredibly young. You know, she's got a long way to go and I'm not suggesting that she should be booked anywhere or anything like that or doing anything other than sort of being on the path that she's on. But every time I see her, I'm impressed. It's the confidence, I think. It's the way she carries herself. You know, she's obviously great at the wrestling too, you know, the fundamentals are there and all that business. But there's never anything shaky with her. She absolutely commits to everything that she does and, and it works really, really well. Next up, we had the blow off of a feud that Purpose have been developing for a while. We have Mike Loco against David Francisco himself. What a pair of wrestlers to be at the top of a feud. This match, Francisco's wanted for a while. They did the unsanctioned thing, you know, and he comes out in his jeans and the way the pair of them are looking at each other. You know, Francisco had this look in his eyes as he's taping up his wrist. Of, this is, you know, you're you're trapped in here with me kind of look about him. And Oku knows how to play it back and he's looking back at Francisco and he's he's got that trying to stay stoic, trying to stay, stay confident kind of look. Just absolutely brilliant. Um they absolutely killed each other in this match. You know, the belt shots and not the bad belt shots, the good ones, with an actual leather belt were awful, the pair from the pair of them just really battering each other. Um just those very archa- primal images of someone being punched in the face as they're bleeding. You know, the way Oku sells it as well. And Francisco took a bump through a table in this. It felt like the table just disappeared under him. It just... A a thud. I bet books fell off the shelf. It was that harsh. You know, just an absolutely stunning, stunning um, bit of violence. Really good match. This was the match of the night, I thought. And it's, it's a tricky one because you can of It's part of the story, I think. You need to have sort of kept up with it um, for a while. But just that table bump, just absolutely phenomenal. There was James Frell against J.J. Lynch. Um, this one... Again, talking about telling logical stories that you get into. James Farrell, the idea behind him is that he's the best technical wrestler and he's he wants to show proper wrestling. He's a bit of a Zack Sabre Jr. knockoff at times, but he's a little bit more violent than that. You know, he's a little bit more, he's less kind of cocky and more kind of assertive. You know, it's a very subtle one. Um, and it's against J.J. Lynch. And he wins this match, James Farrell. He wins it relatively easily. Um, You know, J.J. Lynch was great. Something about J.J. Lynch in this, again, talking about the little things that you learn that you never see anywhere, J.J. Lynch sold fear. You know, the idea that um, James Farrell's trying to put him in this sort of tie him up in a, in some sort of hold and that he could do these facial expressions that showed he was desperate to escape it you know it wasn't just him using moves to get out of things it was it was the emotion that came behind it that worked absolutely brilliantly and I'm watching it and I just thought it feels like he's on a path for Jordan Breaks and then they announced that match at the end he challenges Jordan Breaks you know um, it's just brilliant you know really really good uh, just you know, you feel like you 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 watching a proper book promotion, and it's not like it's predictable. It's weird, isn't it? It's hard to do that. I think to get you thinking. Oh, I really wish I could see this, and then they just give it you. And there's a lot to be said as well for giving the crowd what they want. You know, it's a very WWE thing that's infected a lot of companies. I think that don't. Give the crowd what they want, weirdly. And, you know, it's a fine balance, isn't it? You don't want to give them everything that they want, but sometimes you need to. And, you know, Jordan Breaks against James Farrell is going, going to be really good. Next up, this is an exciting one. We add the Velocities against True and Lacey. Now, I was really excited for this one. I don't think it quite delivered on the level that I was expecting because I I was expecting it to be one of my matches of the year. And that's unfair, perhaps unfair of me to point that out. But what it was, was incredibly fun. And it's one of those matches that you find yourself watching it going, how do people get this fit? You know, how do people get to the point where they can move that quickly for that long? You know, watching Silver run the ropes was just, you know, brilliant. Um The speed here is exactly what you would have expected. You know, double springboards into cutters. you know, both teams timing the tags perfectly. You know, this was one of those matches that had to be a tag match. It was built as a tag match. And I know that sounds really stupid, but velocities, I think that's their strength. You don't ever feel like you're watching two singles stars wrestling together. You know, they're a proper tag team. And that, that really, really came through and it was great. Um, Finished so quickly. Finished as quick as it started. He was sort of a get in and get out kind of feeling spot fest. But in the best way. You know. If, if you could use that as a compliment. That's how I'm using it. And you know. Not as a, a criticism at all. Really exciting match. Then. Main event. Was Bullet. Against Nino Bryant. I'm still a little bit on the fence about Nino Bryant. I like him. I think he's good. And. And. I like the fact, again, talking about recognising what you can see in front of you. Bullet said, you know, you're a skinny rat kid in PVC shorts. You know, the idea that these wrestling veterans would look down on someone like Nino Bryan, yet he'd always overachieve. And that's kind of the story. And I like that story and I'm going with it. Um, you know, he's asking bullet in the promo, are you really on this championship level? They recognize the questions that people are going to ask and then they answer them, you know, by saying, yes, he is. I'm just not quite sure I believe the answer yet with Nino O'Brien, but, you know, well, if you look on Twitter, maybe there isn't as much time as we thought, but he's, he's somebody who's definitely got something, hasn't he? He's definitely got something there. Um, This was what you'd expect, you know. He was absolutely dominant, you know, it, it, you could see the thigh slaps a mile away, but it didn't matter, because True was taking these brutal... Uh, not True, sorry. Um, Nino Bryant was taking these brutal, brutal close lines and hits and stuff. Really exciting. Really exciting match. I think it's really hard to do what Nino Bryant is doing as a champion. You know, you've got someone like Michael Oku who can do it. You know, that we said before about the attrition like he could just pull things out at the last minute um, and, you know, get that. They've got this Tornado DDT um, over for him where he just drops this DDT and wins. Um, And he did that here. I don't know. We'll see about Nino Bryan. He's definitely something there. I'm glad they've given him that shot and we can see a little bit more, um, but we'll see what sort of pathway he gets on. All right that was Purpose Wrestling that was Don't Fear the Reaper now the next show has happened and is due up on their Patreon apparently any day now uh, and I always watch these the day they come out and I encourage you to do the same so um, yeah definitely check that out because this was again another really good show and the shows are like two hours like two like two and a bit hours well well worth it alright let's wrap things up Just having to think about this episode and thinking of all the, you know, when I'm driving around in my car thinking, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do something different. And I've literally just done the most Euro Graps Express episode that there's ever been. I've witted on about something for a bit. I've done a bit of news that's caught my eye. I've talked about Red Pro and I've talked about purpose, but it's felt good. You know, I think that was the right thing to do. Let's, let's get back with a proper episode. Um, I will see you again in two weeks. I've had an absolute blast doing this. Um, So thank you for listening. Um, I've got to talk about cheese somehow, haven't I? So I've had, I've got to talk about the best cheese I've had in ages since, definitely since the last episode, but I can't even remember. It was a Red Leicester, which I'm not always a huge fan of. I'm a bit hit and miss with Red Leicester. But it was a Red Leicester and it had like um, nigella seeds in it um i can't really describe what it tasted like um let me see if i can google it and then i'll um it was from um it was oh that was with spice mango chutney and aromatic nigella seeds it was from joseph heller cheese uh, cheshire cheese company it was unbelievable it just on a plain cracker just a a, a a water biscuit almost it was like a thick water biscuit just didn't have anything with it. Just it was it had that much flavor in it. Um, superb. I'd definitely recommend it if you can get it. Um, don't forget, um, don't follow me on X.com. I, I don't always go on that very often, but there is a Eurograps express room in the discord. So if you fancy that, um, fancy a chat about uh, European wrestling, get in there. Great bunch of people in there. Always really friendly. Um, don't always talk about wrestling, tend to talk about cheese, but you know, jump in there. Um, and I will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon Freak?